today. I want to speak about the Christmas story and um, something that, that really jumped out to me a few months ago, just reading through the Nativity story that you and I would know so well. If you're familiar, even if you're not a Christian here today, even if you don't go to church, the Nativity story is something that is still told worldwide. I was uh, chatting with some family this morning just about the significance that even if you haven't yet or, or refuse to believe Jesus is God, which is totally fine. Love having you here. Even if you can't believe he's God, the fact that he was a person who existed, who was born, it, it, no one debates that. No, even atheist historians are like, yeah, Jesus was a real person. There is so much evidence saying he came into the world. And so this story is so well known, it's so well told, it's so widely told that sometimes it can get pushed into the, the realm of fairy tale unless we fight really hard to keep it as a powerful truth. Amen? Sometimes it can get pushed into the realm of just a fun story to tell the kids that we do once a year. But I think for you and I today, especially, and this week, to stop and really evaluate the significance of what God did for us. Is that cool? So if you've got your Bible, head on over to Luke chapter 2. I don't think we've got it on the screens this morning. I forgot to send it through. I'm going to read it out for you out of the NLT. Luke chapter 2, verse 6, speaking about Joseph and Mary. They're pregnant. They've just gone to Bethlehem. And verse 6 says, And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. You've heard this story, right? We're going we're gonna to look at this. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. I've spoken on this a few times. This is, this is one of those moments you could, you've read a few times. It becomes boring, or you skim over it. You're like, let's just get to the miracles that Jesus did. Like, just think of the weight and craziness of this moment. The radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. You will recognize him by this sign. You're going to find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others. The armies, plural, not just one army, armies of heaven praising God, saying glory to God in the highest heaven, peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. Let's pray. Well, God, we love you. Lord, we thank you so much in this season, in the, the chaos, in the busyness. Help us all to truly stop, reflect, have a say la moment. Look back at what you did for us, God. God, you came down in human form to live the life we couldn't live, to die the death that we deserve to die through sin so that you could give us your life, your eternal life, your reward. So we praise you, God. 
I thank you that we would never slip into being just religious people who go through the motions. Help us to live in a place of awe and thanksgiving. Who you are and what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk today about it's not what you expect. This, this unexpected moments that happen in this story. It's not what you expect. A few years ago, my wife, who is uh, so incredible with flavors and cooking, her dad's, you know, chef, and so she's so good. She's honestly so incredible with just flavors and ingredients that, you know, I would never work with and anything like that, bacon, eggs, tomato sauce. They're my three ingredients, and if it's outside of that, I'm a novice. But And so she was commissioned with the task of making a cake for my brother Chris's birthday. We get there, we're at dinner, and, uh, and out comes, you know, we have Thai, and out comes this incredible-looking chocolate cake. I mean amazing. Any other chocolate cake fans in the house? Like, this thing is just looking good. I, my rule, my, my thing I say to Hannah all the time, I'm like, whatever you think you should cook it, cook it half that time, because I want it still so undercooked and delicious and gooey. Like, I love good chocolate cake. And as we're all cutting it up, we divvy it up, everyone gets their own plate. There's just sheer joy on everyone's face. You just had a, an epic night about to dig this delicious, sugary goodness, chocolate cake. And as we all take a stab, and as we all put it in our mouth, there was kind of this Acts 2, once we're in one accord moment, where we all stared at each other and said, what the heck is in my mouth right now? As we discovered that my wonderful wife had made this incredible looking chocolate cake that was a raw beetroot cacao cake. You can do a bunch of things, woman, but you do not mess with the chocolate cake, all right? There was the unexpected, the shock. The sheer offense in that moment as we all just stare at each other like, what the heck is it? Is it going? <laughs> Do you have any soft serve ice cream to go with this shop attendant? This, the unexpected shock in that moment. It, she then flipped it a few weeks ago for my birthday. Uh, it was my birthday. Anyway, recently. I can't remember when. But at, Hannah's not like a surprise queen. Okay, so she's amazing, but she, surprises aren't her thing. And coming up to my birthday, nothing. Like, she's given me no clues away. And then it was Tuesday night. She's like, my birthday was Thursday, Friday. And she's like, hey, do you want to know what I got you for your birthday? And I'm like, oh, God, another beetroot cake. Here we go. Like, you know when you, you put someone in a box, right? Like, you start expecting things from them then. And I'm like, even your surprises aren't good, woman. Like, don't, don't do it. Like, I sent you all these hints this year. Like, screenshots of boardies or T-shirts, shoes. Like, I don't want surprises. I, I've been pretty clear. And she's like, no, no, do you want to know your surprise? I'm like, no, not really. Um, and, but the exact opposite moment when she's like, hey, so it's taken me a few months, but we've booked Surprise, airfares down to Sydney. Mum's paid for it on the credit card because I knew you would see it because you check it all the time. We're staying with your best friend, the Whites, as they do their store opening in Manly. And I'm like, ah! like how did you do that? How did you pull this off? Like the exact opposite of sheer thrill and excitement when the expectation wasn't met again. 
get in an opposite way. I thought I better tell two stories so she's not just like the, the bad at expectations. But we, we put people in boxes. We expect things from people. And when they're not mad, it's either absolute disgust or absolute joy, right? Like you, you would have done that at certain people at certain times. We, we, we put them in a box of how they will react to certain things. We all do it subconsciously. We put them in a box of they will treat this person that way. They will react to this event that way. They will like this. They will hate this. We put people in boxes. That's what our human mind is designed to do. And it often lets us down in that way when there's so much joy and newness in not putting something or someone in a box. And, and I think that this story is so wonderful to me. So wonderful. Because it is the epitome of when religion put God in a box and he didn't like it. This story to me is the epitome of when man said, God, here's how you can act. Here's what you can do. And he said, uh-uh. Jesus like, uh-uh. I'm going to do what I want to do, when I want to do it, to who I want to do it. And we see this unexpected moment with an unexpected way, an unexpected Jesus. He often... Often, God will often go against what religion expects of him. Have you noticed that before? Like we get, we start to put God in these rules and confinement. And, and for me, if anything, I would completely argue. I, I would fight to, to make a case that says God never brings law. Every time God brings a rule, it's not for confinement or restriction. It's actually for your freedom. I would happily argue that point. Every boundary we see God create, it's for us to experience more joy and, and safety and, and freedom in that area, in that thing he brings in. But what mankind likes to do is grab God's freedom-bringing rules and create really restrictive, joy-robbing law. And Jesus comes down at his perfect moment, in his perfect way, in his perfect timing, and completely shatters that. And how many people are happy about that today? How many people are happy that we worship a God who isn't into do this, don't do this, and then you will experience some kind of law and order, but he's into freedom and joy and love, and, and he comes down in a way to kill religion. We spoke about it several times this year. Jesus wants to kill religion. We, we, if we're not aware of it, if we're not keeping the Spirit alive inside us through worship, we're not keeping the Spirit alive inside us through prayer, if we're not keeping the Spirit alive inside us through getting together with other Christians and iron sharpening iron, if that Spirit isn't alive and well inside us, then religion is starting to grow. Whether you like it or not. Then you start to get into a habit of, I, I have to, I better do this, I, I should do this. And slowly but surely, the spirit inside you is dying, joy is dying, life is dying. And we get to a spot where we're like, God, here's what you can do. And God wants to break it. Unexpected God, unexpected way. The first thing we see is that God comes to unexpected people. Unexpected people, like... Once again, I, I know most of you are familiar with this story, but just stop and think for a moment that God came down to earth as a human. God, the God who breathed the stars into being, the God who created the world, comes down to earth as a human. Now, that, that, that shouldn't happen. 
step number one, that is unexpected. But if he was to do that, if the prophecies and things are leading to us, expecting at some point God's going to come down and save us with, with, with all of the prophecies in the Old Testament, they were expecting a Messiah at some point in some way. But let's be honest. Like, let's be real. If that was to happen, I love you guys. I really do. But you and I don't deserve him to appear to us. If God's coming down to mankind, surely he should appear to like the kings of the world. Surely he should only appear to the royalty of the world. Surely he should only appear to the UN, the leaders of every nation coming together. So if he can get the leaders and the rulers and the kings to bow down to him, then he sits on the throne of the earth as was work. It, we don't deserve it. But, but Kings, okay, if he's coming down, I can, I can understand that. I can fathom that. I could expect that he would appear to royalty, and he doesn't do that. He comes down to shepherds. Shepherds were the outcasts at the time. They're sitting alone at night with some sheep. We've all got that weird friend that we would wish be a shepherd, right? Like you're trying to have dinner parties, like, well, just go out in the field, man. Look after the sheep. Like there's some people that we would think, hey, yeah, I can understand why we would make them shepherds. They'd be delegated to the shepherd role. At nighttime, I don't want them over. I want them out there away from us. Shepherds are the outcasts. They are not royalty. They are not even the, the highest in socio uh, views and socioeconomic ways. They are not seen culturally as this, these high up people. They are nothing. They are dirty. Do you remember that David was forgotten about by his own dad? Samuel's like, where are your sons? He lines them all up. Here's my sons. Goes through, you're not the king, you're not the king. Isn't there another one? He's like, oh yeah, good point. Good point. Now that you mention it, totally forgot before. There's one other youngest one out there, but surely you're not talking about him. Like, shepherds are forgotten about. And God comes to earth and sends all the armies of angels to the shepherds. Does this blow you away? It should, because it's not who you think should get God's grace that gets it. It's not who you think should get God's opera that gets it. It's the outcasts. It's the nobodies. It's the people no one wants to hang with. They're talking to sheep. They're those weird people. Clearly Kiwis as well. And so as they're out there, God comes down. Go up. God comes down to the shepherds and gives the best heavenly demonstration that we've seen in creation. And that should blow you away that God didn't go to royalty. He didn't go to Herod. He went to the kings and he didn't come to a royal family to make her fall pregnant. He, he went to just some carpenter and his fiance see sometimes we put God in a box like okay well I can understand why you'd be nice to that person they've been in church a long time they give they serve they help the poor I can understand why you're doing favors there but you don't love me you don't want anything to do with me surely surely God you're not going to intervene in my world surely my my prayers aren't as loud as this person's I mean, have you seen how nice Kurt is? He just got adopted cop of the year. Like, he's like a saint here. Where's the halo? The halo burnt the hair off. That's like literally why there's... Yeah, he's, I don't think you've ever done anything wrong. Like, I've known you for 10 years now. And I'm like, I don't think he's ever done anything wrong. Like, I can understand why his prayers are heard. But, like, why would he listen to me? Why would God want anything to do with me? 
Because we worship a God. We worship Jesus Christ who is into revealing himself to unexpected people. We worship a God who doesn't come to those who deserve it. But while we were still enemies of God, Romans chapter 5 verse 10, God showed his love for us by sending his son. Jesus comes to unexpected people. Today, you might be here and thinking, you're an unexpected person. You don't deserve God's love or grace or the truth or or an amazing life with God. Guess what? You don't. But I promise he wants to bring it to you because that's the God we worship. He wants to give you close. He wants to reveal the heavenly realms. He wants to let you in on what he's doing. God's into you. God's into you. He likes you. Remember, that was a big one for me. I, yeah, I don't doubt that God loves me, but does he like me? <laughs> yeah, he has to love everyone, but does he like me? Like my personality. I, I annoy myself for crying out loud. Like I, I tick me off. Like how can he like me? God likes you. That's big. God wants to do life with you. God wants to hear your prayers. God wants to talk to you. God wants to be with you at work. God wants to fill your household and your kitchen with his presence. God likes you. That's a big point this Christmas. Unexpected people. I think the other thing is unexpected places. Once again, if Jesus was coming down, if God was coming down, I would expect him to be born in like this gold bassinet. I would expect this linen cloth just filling it. I would expect like that Instagram perfect, you know, about to have a baby and it's just Instagram perfect. We're talking last night about it with hand. Somehow there's no change table or mess anywhere. Just this cane bassinet with linen everywhere and white walls and that is a perfect place for Jesus to be born. And he comes down to a manger. I know we sing, away in a manger. And we've painted it out like it's like a cute little Tasmanian cottage. You know, you know we've all done it. We've, we've painted it out like, oh, that was so clean and neat and wonderful. And he's out there with like the animals and the goats and stuff. And the sheep's like cuddling him like this. So it's just like so pretty. And No, no. The, uh, a manger isn't the place. A manger's the trough. I think you might forget that. A manger's not the house. It's not the animal house. It's the trough they eat out of. That's the manger. And so he's there with poo everywhere and animals fighting to get the scraps of food and spit and garbage everywhere. And at best, if you're like me, you've got to clean it up a bit in your mind so there's some fresh straw at least there. Like, I wouldn't mind doing that for Jesus, like some fresh straw. And then he's wrapped in cloth in an animal trough. God came to earth in an animal trough. And sometimes when we do limit God and expect Him in certain places, well, I expect you in church, but I don't expect you in my house. I expect to experience you in a prayer meeting, but I don't expect to experience you at work. I expect, I expect a connect group to feel something. I expect in the worship song to feel something, but when I'm really fighting with my spouse or my kids driving me up the wall, you can't be there. Surely you won't reveal yourself there. And we read about a God who delights in revealing himself in unexpected places. In unexpected places in your world, in unexpected places in your heart, in unexpected places in your mind, God wants in. Sometimes we think we need to get rid of the mess in our world before Jesus will come in. Jesus likes mess. 
He's okay with mess, friends. Don't need to clean yourself up or get your life together before he likes you or will enter. He's not some posh God sitting over there like, I only come to royalty, Dan. And he's not sitting there waiting for your life to be perfect and clean. He wants it now. In all your mess, in all your insecurities, in all your shortcomings, in all of your failures, Jesus wants in. It's where he shines the brightest, right? If Jesus, I don't know about, okay, I better just personalize this. This is my opinion. If Jesus was born in a palace, I wouldn't feel like I could get close to him in my relationship with him. If Jesus was born in a palace, then today, right now, I would feel a distance, like I couldn't relate to him. He's God. I've never been to a palace. Jesus came down to the messiest, messiest, messiest place to let you know he's not afraid of mess. That's a good thing, right? Unexpected people, unexpected places. And that's, that's the beauty right there, the places in your heart that are filled with mess. Let God in this Christmas. Bring God in. Trust Jesus. I'll finish with this. Unexpected purpose. Has anyone seen uh, Smallfoot yet? Kids TV show, The Bonwell Snowman. No? No one? All right. It's pretty good. Yeah, come on now. I'm going to finish with that. But uh, no. It's like this, it's quite a clever concept that it's a village of abominable snowmen who discover man. And so like we discover Bigfoot, they discover Smallfoot. Anyway, clever, well done. But the guy who runs, the guy who runs the, the village, the, I can't even remember his name, the, the ruler, he, he wears like a cloak of little stones. And on every single stone, there's a law that they've invented to keep their village safe. And so it's like, just picture like a big long cloak and it's all little stones. And he pulls stones out. He's like, no, 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 you forget our law. He keeps saying, you're forgetting our law and he puts it back in. No, you're forgetting our law and he puts it back in. Jesus comes with an unexpected purpose because I think, I think we are prone to picture God coming down. God, He would only come down clothed in the law, Right? I don't know if you've really thought about this. The, the Jews expected God to come down and, and, and solidify the law, clothed in the law. They expected a warrior ready to fight anyone who couldn't obey the law. They expected an earthly kingdom to be reestablished. They expected to be set free from the Roman Empire that they were under in Jesus' time, the whole time. At the end, in Acts chapter 1, Jesus is about to go back to heaven. And the apostles still, they're like, so is it now you're going to reinstate the kingdom? Is it now you're going to restore the kingdom? Like back at David and Saul, Solomon, like there was an earthly kingdom for God's people. Are you going to do that now? Are you the warrior we've been longing for? Are you the, you, you've, you've created this law we've been longing for? Unexpected purpose. Jesus said, no. No, you're going to remain under Rome. And I'm not clothed in law. John chapter 1 verse 14 says he came clothed, full of grace. Jesus didn't come clothed. God didn't come down clothed in this moral code. He came down clothed in grace. Jesus wasn't born in this manger to tell you what you need to do this Christmas season. He came born. He was born in this manger to tell you what you couldn't do. 
this Christmas season, but only He could do. Tim Keller writes about it this way. It's such a profound thought. Look at all our fairy tales today. Think about all of our fairy tales today. I've got a four-year-old girl. I'm, I, I know all about the princess stories. And in every single one, what the people are longing for is some kind of curse to be broken and freedom to come. You read about that cult movie, Frozen. Watch it. Don't watch it. It's a pit of hell. But you read about it and, and there's the curse of winter. Everyone's longing for the curse of winter to be broken and sunshine, light to come back right? That's Jesus. Inside our heart, we're longing for the curse to be broken and light to come back. John chapter 1, verse, in Him was light. Verse 5, in Him was light. The light was the life of mankind. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness cannot overcome it. What we write about in fairy tales, we actually start craving. What we write about with, with Sleeping Beauty, someone who is absolutely unconscious and cannot wake themselves up until a noble prince, son of God, comes down and sets it free. We, we crave these things and we, we actually limit God to a moral story. We limit Jesus being born to a moral story. We think if he's coming down, what's the moral of this story? And it's the wrong question. I need, I, I, I really, it's the one thing today, I, I need you to see this. To look for the moral in the story of Jesus being born is the wrong question. Otherwise, what moral is saying is, what can I learn? How can I be better? It's not a moral story. It's not a fairy tale. It's a historical event. You don't start the nativity scene with once upon a time. Because then you'll finish with a moral. Then you'll finish with a lesson you needed to learn. Jesus wasn't born to give you a lesson. Jesus was born to bring grace and set you free and do what you could not do. There's no moral to the nativity scene. There's freedom. There's hope. There's love. There's relationship. There's the gospel that says you couldn't learn from this story to be a better you. You had no way of helping yourself. The unexpected purpose is we think God came to make us better. He didn't. We we couldn't help ourselves. God came to save us. Jesus Christ came clothed in grace to set us free. His purpose, His purpose on this earth was to do what we cannot do. This, Christ, this Christmas, you cannot be good enough. It's not Santa. Have I been good enough to get something from you? God? He's not Santa. You can't be good enough to get something. It's just about resting in what He did on the cross. There's no moral to the nativity scene, but there's freedom, there's life, there's hope that an unexpected people in an unexpected place received a God who came down with an unexpected purpose not to judge us as John chapter 3 17 says Jesus didn't come to the world to condemn the world he came that the world through him might be saved and if we embrace that then this Christmas there is not just a nice feeling but there's a closeness with God to me when I read about God being born in a manger I feel so much joy 
because I think my God isn't afraid of mess and He's not afraid of lowly people. He's not afraid of, of, of shortcomings. He's not afraid of failures. He's not afraid of weirdness. Like a chick giving birth who's a virgin. Like he's not afraid of weirdness in your world. He's okay with it. And He wants to be close to you. So let's let Him in. Amen.